welcome back to What's Once Never Again, the podcast dedicated to disturbing movies across all genres. I'm your co-host, Dax, with... And I'm your other co-host, Mary Beth. Awesome. How was your week? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like... <laughs> we're doing this the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're talking about... We're continuing our Michael Haneke series, and we are talking about The Piano Teacher from 2001 thoughts <laughs> <laughs> this movie i have so many fucking thoughts about this movie so first i just want to start off by saying isabel Huppert is the queen of everything she is that bitch she is she's in a lot of haneke's movies i i learned so obviously she likes working with him but this movie is perhaps like a top tier performance from her absolutely Let's let's read a brief synopsis of The Piano Teacher. So this is from IMDb. And The Piano Teacher, for reference, was released in 2001. And it is two hours and 11 minutes long, which is a lot. Okay, this is not a good synopsis. The synopsis uh, here on IMDb is a young man romantically pursues his masochistic no. piano teacher, which is I'm going to change the, the plot because that's not. Of course, they focus correct. it on the man. Yeah. Okay, here's a better synopsis. Erica Kahoot teaches piano at a conservatory in Vienna. In her early 40s, she lives at home, cooped up with her mother, whose influence Erica escapes only on her regular visits to porn cinemas and peep shows. Her sexuality is an affair of morbid voyeurism and masochistic self-mutilation. Erica and life travel separate paths until one day one of her students gets it into his head to seduce her. That's more accurate. I think so. The only thing I would say is she's actually in her late 40s here. I know you can't tell because she's such like a queen, but I do think that's interesting to the plot. So actually, that's so fun. I, I actually wrote this down just to kind of, I guess, launching off. So I wrote that she looks like a child a little bit because there's like this, there's this weird vibe of naivety naivete mm -hmm. being naive but also violence and like i know that she's not naive because there's this like very violent streak in her but there is also like especially with her mother there's this weird innocence or like pretending mm -hmm. to convey innocence and i also think because huper is wearing like very minimal makeup in this movie and they and haneke lingers on her face so much there's like so many emotions that you get from her and looking at her face. And there is this mm -hmm. weird, like, young vibe that I get at some points. Not all of it, but, like, especially in the beginning. Yeah, I I think possibly it's lack of experience. And I think that uh, is very interesting when you consider, which I guess we'll get into later, her interest in sadomasochism. Because I don't think she fully does understand what she's signing up for. And So do you think she's a virgin? I it's really hard to say. I don't. Yeah. I yeah. I don't. Well, maybe actually because. Well, I guess we'll get into it, but maybe that's why she gets sick later on because nerves or something. So okay, all right. We're just gonna launch into this because I have a lot to say about like her relationship with actual sex and being disgusted by sex. Yes. Wait, real quick. So sorry, but can I just say that this movie is literally too good. Like, like there are rules I can now because I won too many awards. It's so good. Like, it is awful, but it is. This is my favorite Haneke movie so far. Absolutely. Like, I love funny games, but Piano Teacher is just like so devastating. And I, I do have some feelings about representation of women and violence against women in this movie. And mm -hmm. but like, I think it's, I think it's nuanced enough. And his like, he focuses only on Huppert as a professor. So mm -hmm. it's like the focus is all on her. So you kind of get into her mindset rather than it just being random acts of violence. Mm -hmm. You really understand kind of her brain. Like you were in her mind for two hours. Yeah, I agree. So go ahead, start us off. Cause I'm, I definitely want to hear everything that you have to say. So I'm so excited. So, okay. I'm just going to start with the beginning and her relationship with her mother, because that sets a tone of violence. Like this is a very weird tone of violence at the very beginning. So, yeah, I have that written down too. Her and her mother have a very weird codependent relationship where the mother needs to know where she is at all times. She looks through her purse to see what she bought and is just like very domineering. And so my actual thought here is 
that kind of controlling mother dynamic and the fact they sleep in two beds pressed together, like there's no way for her to necessarily experience pleasure and like sexual release with the mother that domineering. And so I think that this is one of the reasons why she associates pain with sex, because she's constantly ridiculed by her mother, especially when she wants any kind of attention from men. So it feels like her mother has set her up to have this really just like kind of disgusted, ashamed of herself relationship with any kind of sex, but also like deny she denies herself any kind of masturbation because you don't see her masturbate in this movie. The only time you see her really doing any kind of it's not really self-pleasure, but she takes a razor blade and is cutting mm-hmm. her vagina. And that's the only time that you see her experience like any kind of like touching herself. And it's violence. It's hurting herself, punishing herself almost for wanting that kind of desire. And so I just kind of was really interested in that her denial of release for herself, which actually transitions into the scene when she goes to the porn theater. And Oh my God. As she, you know, as she, me. And this porn theater, she watches, you know, she goes into a booth and chooses a porn film to watch. And instead of masturbating, she picks up a used tissue and which is obviously full of semen and she holds it up to her face. And in this very long scene I can feel my stomach hurt. It's just terrible. Like my stomach hurts thinking about this. In this very long scene, she is just sitting there. The camera is only on her face and you hear, you know, the sounds of the the porn in the background. She is just holding up a used semen filled tissue to her face and just sniffing it. And, uh. but it's so interesting because it's, that's obviously disgusting. Like it's, it's so disgusting and like taboo and weird. Yeah. And that's what she's, she, that is what she's into. Like that is her, sexual experience she doesn't masturbate she doesn't experience orgasm she just is trying to find her own way of experiencing a release but she can't in my head i I never saw her really experiencing any kind of release no she's very tense throughout the entire movie like whether she is doing something sexual or just existing in the world just a very tense person i actually have it written down um in the beginning scene, uh, the opening scene, right? When mm-hmm. she comes in and her mom's going through her purse, ripping out everything and being like, you know, why do you need this? I guess it was a dress, which I think is relevant. Uh, she, yeah. she had bought a dress and like put it in her bag to hide from her mom. So I think it's interesting that her mom like focused on that because I guess in her brain, it's like, well, who are you dressing for? Yeah, and then, but then again, I think in the same scene or later, her she's like, "Where does this one outfit?" And her mom goes, "I threw it away. It was too whorish." But it was like, yeah, I think it's the same scene, isn't it? She's like, "Yeah, where's my so. gray outfit?" Yeah, and her mom was like, "I threw it away." Yeah, that really stuck out to me. But the other thing that stuck out to me, and and this is to the point of her, you know, being so tense, is like she's wearing. Like, not even just layers. She's wearing the most clothes that you can wear. Like, she's wearing a full trench coat and gloves. Um, Later on, she wears those things and she puts on, like, a headscarf as well. Yeah. Um, And I just find that so interesting. I think that really highlights how tense she is um, and how repressed she is, of course. Uh, Maybe it's a bit on the nose. It works for me. Um, I just thought that was interesting that even, even when it cuts to like a later scene and she's like talking to her mom, who's kind of guilt tripping her, you know, um, Mm -hmm. she still hasn't taken off her trench coat in that scene Mm -hmm. where they kind of make up. She wants to hide her body. Yeah. She wants to hide her body. She wants to like, and, and I mean, I looked it up because I was like, am I reading into the trench coat? Um, which I don't know if I was, but I wanted to see if trench coats are just a thing. And apparently they are in Vienna conservatories. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. But I do think that's interesting that she would even go into like that field, you know? So that's actually, that kind of transitions into the next point I wanted to talk about because, so the film like cold opens with this confrontation between her and her mother where they're yelling at each other. She kind of grabs her mother's hair and then immediately they start crying and hug each other and apologize. So uh, very off the bat, you're like, yeah, this is like a fucked up relationship. Mm. And then there's the title card 
And then it transitions to her in the classroom. And so there's these two worlds where she's under the control of her mother. And then in the world of the classroom, she is the one in charge. And then that's where she can like kind of enact her own torture upon her students. And like, obviously in music, professors are very like intense and like very much like perfection, perfection, perfection. But I think that's an interest. Like it's, it's a, it seems very purposeful and like, she is in control of her world in the classroom. Like she is able to kind of, she knows the music, she's an expert and she's able to kind of say like wrong, this is what you should do. And yeah, she's very rigid. She's also very merciless to her students, especially her female student. There is this jealousy. I think that also exists with like the one female character really. She doesn't interact with a lot of women like on a, on a deeper level in this movie besides her mother but her one female student she is constantly ridiculing and then she ruins her career <laughs> like yeah she smashes this glass and it, okay so like to prelude that her her poor student is like very emotional and i even wrote down like this female student is the embodiment of the crushing pressure and expectations that come with such a world Absolutely. Like she comes into this practice to be a soloist and she's like, I have diarrhea. And everyone's like, uh-huh, you can't handle the pressure. And it's like, I'd have diarrhea. Um, I actually then, thought that was interesting that she just straight up said it. I love it. I, I love like, that too. I was like, you feel you. Ahead. It like, is you normal. Just, you just tell them like, I have stress diarrhea. I'm like, I get that. But it, but then she kill. So my perception is she kills it with the solo in practice. And Isabelle Huppert's character is like, I can't, this is not acceptable. Like she cannot be good. So she smashes a glass and puts it in her student's pocket and absolutely wrecks her hand to the point where she might not be able to ever play piano again. See, I agree. And like, yes. And, um, I was noticing in this rewatch, uh, that the, the person who was turning the page for her student was uh what's his face the guy that she loves i didn't even write his name down because he's a he's like a non-character to me like i I don't think he could be anyone you know not that he's not that he's not like a good actor it's it's just like he could be anyone um i know his name is walter walter yeah he's played by um Benoit Majamel, I believe his name is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, why do I know his actual name? I don't know. I should have written down. That's more important than like who he is. Like he's just, he's a himbo. Not even. I don't know if himbo is the right word, but like he gives me that vibe of just being kind of like a jock. Yeah. Well, and they they even show that he's like not fully dedicated to the music world. He he also plays hockey. You know, and and we, we see, yeah, like it's. Well, I'll get back to my original point, but that actually does interest me that he leaves his lesson and goes and plays hockey. And the female student, her mother, who's actually played by Suzanne Lothar from Funny Games, yeah, um, her mother's like, well, she practices eight hours a day, so presumably that is all she does. She's not going to play hockey. You know, I th- I find no. it interesting. Like men always like doing the least. I mean, not that that's always true, but I mean, one can't deny that women have to work much harder in the same fields as men very yeah. often, as you would probably know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like but no, like, <laughs> it's, everybody's totally it's, respectful. Yeah, it's totally fine. I don't get treated like a baby in certain in certain contexts um talked down to but like you said and well and that's like that it's such a purposeful dichotomy because you really only see her you only see who pair teaching one female student and one male student and the male student is walter and there really is that she does have another male student remember she like freaks out because he was looking at porn oh that's right that's right that's right um which is fascinating which is fascinating but yeah sorry back to your original point we like went off on a tangent there but so walter was turning the pages for her student and i think that whether or not the student did well i think she would have done that anyway because i think that she was in too close proximity to walter for her so she knew no one else could 
could take her spot that quickly. She had to fill in for her while she was supposed to fill in for her. So that's just another opportunity for her to be close to Walter. I don't know. I was confused actually by that because at the end we see Walter going to watch the show, of course. Um, but that that's something I noticed on this rewatch. I was like, maybe she didn't like how close um, her student was to Walter. I actually never thought about that. Once once again, we're being we're being shown that Haneke. Yeah, well, and that that's what you have. I mean, I, that's what I have perceived. Like that's what happens when you turn the pages. Like you're very close to them. Just yeah, like, he was all but straddling her. Really nice. Just kidding. <laughs> Good for him. But like, I never thought about that. I thought it was pure jealousy between women. I didn't even think about her being like, oh my God, they're, they're close together and I'm not. Like, I need to have that It proximity. could have been both. I did interpret it the first time I saw it as jealousy of her student. Okay. So, I don't know. Once again, maybe I'm just reading into it. You or know? maybe it's both. Yeah, maybe it is both. Who knows? But I think that's interesting on this rewatch. Was this your yeah. first time seeing this movie? No, this was not. Um, okay. That's why, like, I got like really into like looking at her facial expressions, and like, I got really like in my own head about this movie in a good way because I was just like, because again, I think we talked about this before, where it's like Haneke movies, you watch them for the first time, and there's just like this feeling of shock, and like trying like, to process what the fuck am I watching yeah like processing what's happening on screen between her cutting her genitals what actually I hate that fucking word I'm gonna say something different and cutting her like her vagina with a razor blade to this like relationship with her student that is obviously very destructive and then you know as the film ends it's just kind of like this okay I'm trying to quickly process all of these things but in my rewatch I like okay I know what happened so like let me kind of like dive into reading her as a character and like really getting into it I there's just a lot of things that I didn't think about um until the second rewatch and again this was a movie I never wanted to watch again really yeah like not in, in a way that like I loved it but like it just was so emotionally draining the first time I saw it I was mm. like I don't need to watch this ever again so yeah. embodiment of this podcast at the end fucking brutal which we will get I cannot wait to talk about the end of this movie I have some notes here about Miss Isabel um, that I didn't reference when we were talking about how she's that bitch something and we can even get it further into this something that I really love about her well before I say that let me just say she's actually playing the piano in this movie oh, she is okay i meant to look that up because like yeah. i was wondering because you know sometimes they have stand-ins to play right well wow um so she apparently grew up playing piano until she was a teenager and then a year before shooting started she uh got back into it which i'm like how like she the way she plays is it's Kind of the only time where she's not super rigid, almost. I mean, yes. she is, but like, it you can tell that she actually like loves to do that. I think I wrote down that's like the only time where she's really free to express herself because there is mm -hmm. a recital scene where she's playing. There's there's a man and a she's playing and a man is playing, and there's this these shots of her face, like her eyebrows raising and like her face, and it is like one of the only times that she looks not rigid and not like in a kind of neutral or angry facial expression. Like she actually looks her version of happy. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, it's not too far out of her comfort zone because there is a right way to play it. You have yes. to stick to these notes. You can't like venture off. So it's still rigid enough for someone who never leaves her comfort zone. But yeah, I totally agree. I noticed that too. Like she's, Act, like her face in the whole movie does not move you know and that's so that's so like, i wrote a note her face is so cold but also expressive and i thought about that scene particularly it's during a rehearsal though it's the re it's the rehearsal before the same rehearsal where she hurts her female student she turns around and looks at walter and it's this like very again long takes of her face and it's like one facial expression but it conveys so much and again maybe i'm reading into it but it and 
lingering on her face for minutes instead of cutting away. It's like you really just get to look at her and think about her. And it's just beautiful. Absolutely. Also, actually, there's a scene I wanted to talk about as in reference to her her sexuality is this voyeurism aspect um, mm-hmm. that you see in the porn theater, but also when she sees that couple having sex at the drive-in. And yeah, I totally have a note about that. So she's I looking, if it's the same note. I, looking but not touching, and it looks like she's about to masturbate, but then she just pees, I think, is how I wrap like. So it's like she's experiencing this pleasure in watching them, but then she doesn't touch herself. Well, it's not the same note, but I can relate it to your note. My note, very on brand. Um, why the fuck is she peeing next to that car? Uh, but I actually think now that you're saying, like, we're talking about it, I think it's interesting that she pees next to the car instead of maybe, like, masturbating. Um, possibly, as she's watching it, you know, you can see she's interested, right? Oh, yeah. She's enjoying it. She's feeling something. Like, but this, you know, down there and she doesn't know how to release it. So she just pisses. Yeah, and, like, that's related again to when she is about to have sex with Walter, she throws up. It's, like, these very visceral reactions to pleasure. Like, I can't experience pleasure. I have to expel from my body. It's almost like... uh, She's getting rid of her desire through, like, bodily functions. Yes. Which is very strange, but also, like, it makes sense for her. It's, like, it's more natural you know what i mean like it's a weird way to put it but like it's like a part of your being having a body and well masturbation i think is like a very natural part of being a person i don't think she regards it in that way so like instead of pleasuring herself she just has this release through like what she considers more normal yeah and it's like when you think about it when would she even get to do that besides going to the porn theater because her like you see when she's in the bathroom her mom does not leave her alone she talks at her and yells at her through the door and they didn't have a shower that i could see yeah you know so like no they did because she washes out she washes the blood you're right you're right it's one of those like bathtubs yeah the handheld shower head maybe she does but I don't know. Seems like it'd be really difficult in her household. Actually, you know what? That brings me to another point. I was going to relate this movie. I This movie, and I'm sure I'm definitely not the first person to say this, really reminds me of Black Swan. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell me more about that. How do you feel about that? I never got, made that connection. But now, but when you mentioned it, I see a lot of it. Yeah, and I wonder if Black Swan is maybe based inspired by this or the book. I I think so. I think Garnofsky puts his own twist on it with like hallucinating and like it's a little less it's more surreal. He puts like the surrealist like spin on it, but the mm. plot points are based like very similar. Like the plots hit the same beats. And like yeah, again, so, ballet, ballet and piano, very controlled, exactly. very, and then precise. Nina's character can't let go for the Black Swan. She's too perfect, huh? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and and it's just like the artist and her. She's you know older than probably most people who live with their mothers. Yeah. Um. Her, her mother bedroom. is extremely domineering. Yeah, her bedroom is like infantilizes her. Um, and we, what reminded me uh, of like that just now was that you know there's that scene in Black Swan where Nina is trying to masturbate and then she flips over and she sees her mom sitting there <laughs> asleep on the chair. Yeah, which nightmare, like. <laughs> That fucking nightmare scenario. But yeah, that is, I had never thought about that because I just felt like it's a, it's a grueling movie, but it's not as grueling as this one in my mind, but it's still very like intense to watch. Arnofsky does not, is not one to like, 
Yeah, I feel like away. it's it's almost the same story, but from two different perspectives, right? Yeah. Like, Black Swan, you are in Nina's head, like, literally, like, clearly, like, for me, uh, how I interpret it is the surrealism of that movie is her dissociating. Yes. And oh, yeah. in The Piano Teacher, we are once again, as Haneke is wont to do, we are forced to step back and look at everything from afar and kind of take it in as a yeah. bigger picture. And we're not necessarily in her head. We can sort of get there. We're almost there. We almost get an understanding, uh, a, a full understanding of her. But like we are looking, we, we are on the outside looking in and, you know, she's an impenetrable person. Well, and so actually thinking about the two oral sex scenes, because, you know, yeah. Mila Kunis supposedly goes down on Nina. And then there is this excruciatingly long blowjob sequence in the piano teacher where she and Walter finally have like a sexual, like sexual contact. And she is giving him a blowjob. And as soon like right when he's about to come, she's like, no, which I was like power move, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I support. Is that when, um, during the rehearsal is that yeah this? when like she oh, she yeah. runs out and he follows her into the bathroom and yeah, they have you know about that too they have their first sexual encounter and it's like i even wrote like this is a very long take of this like very weird sexual encounter and it's so rigid like she's not liking it no it's very much like okay a man wants a blowjob but this is this is kind of where i talked i you know i asked about if you think she's a virgin but like homegirl knows what she's doing like she's like all right cool i'm just gonna suck a dick and he seemed very into it so it's like she's kind of very she's she knows what she's doing it's not like but she watches fumbling. a lot of porn that's true and, it, and this is what's fascinating so she's very much in control in this sexual interaction like she doesn't want him to kiss her on the mouth mm-hmm. she doesn't like complete his pleasure she doesn't want him she, to even speak no, and she is very much like, this is what I want. And she's very self-assured of that. And then it flips and she gives him this note. This note is a very long note about what she wants sexually. And what she wants sexually is to be dominated and to be treated like shit. She wants to be ridiculed. And, you know, again, it's kink. Is She's into kink or she thinks she's into kink. She thinks she's into BDSM. She thinks like that is what she wants from a sexual relationship. <sighs> And then it gets messy. Um, yeah. My note from that scene uh, from the bathroom, despite, I don't know, possibly a pretty nuanced thing that we just talked about, was the post-handjob energy makes me want to kill him. Because <laughs> he's standing there, like, jogging in place and screaming. I'm like, dude, you got a dry hand job. Please relax. I know. Well, and, like, he also tries to jerk off. And she's like, no. And it's like she denies herself pleasure. So she has to deny him pleasure. And it's fascinating. And so I guess like in this whole, I actually have, I would love to discuss this in terms of Haneke's like discussing of women and this kind of, this one character. Do you think he is shaming her sexual desire? Or... Playing into it? Playing into, like, yeah. Do you think that there is a kind of a shame here in her... And, you know, women's desire that's outside of, like, vanilla sex. Do you think there's a ridiculing aspect of this pleasure in the movie? So you're talking about Walter himself, right? No, I'm talking about Haneke. I'm talking about, like, Haneke. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think was his kind of goal in showing this? I was going back and forth between he's shaming her and also not shaming her. And it felt like this weird kind of, like, is there a, is, like, is he saying something negative about her like deviant kinky sexual desire yeah i kind of was just curious like what you thought about haneke's own thoughts and feelings about specifically women and sex yeah so that's a lot that's going to be have to be probably broken down in parts so i think (laughs) again it's gonna it's haneke it's not like straightforward there's like yes or no it's very right well that's what i was gonna say right is like so 
we've kind of gotten a little bit of Haneke's background. We've gotten some quotes about how he feels about certain things. And obviously we've been studying his films, right? So we can kind of see that I don't think he knows how he feels about women. Like, I yeah. think he ha- he's trying to figure it out. He is working through it. And I think he probably has conflicting thoughts about women and about women's sexuality. Um, and I think that's really apparent in this movie. So you can read the movie two different ways. And I did read it two different ways upon yeah. like watching it multiple times, right? Like, mm-hmm. the first time I watched it, I was like, he is judging Walter like I and maybe that was me being biased but I was like you know it seems that he knows that Walter is wrong and I didn't I didn't interpret Walter the first time I watched it as playing into her fantasy like I thought he was judging her you know what I mean yeah um so in that respect, I thought that Haneke was not not using Walter as his stand-in, but more using Erica as his stand-in and saying, like, this guy is wrong. Like, I thought I wanted this thing, but he's not doing what I asked the way I asked, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um but then on the rewatch, I'm like, it does kind of seem like like Haneke maybe is judging Erica. But at the same time, there's so many quotes in this movie where, where we don't get a clear answer. Like, I have two quotes written down. So one is a quote that Erica, like a line that Erica delivers to her student where she, she caught him looking at the dirty magazines at... I, is that a mall that she's frequenting? I guess so. It looked like it was like a newsstand or something she walked by. And like they were looking at Nudie Max or but something. Like, is the porn place like in the mall with the movie theater too? I don't know, actually. It's never really... Listeners, if anyone knows how malls are set up in France in the early 2000s, please let me know. Because that's a really strange mall. <laughs> it's a porn theater. It's chill. Kind of reminds me of this place that we have around here called the Berlin Farmer's Market, which is just this. It's um, iconic, legendary, beautiful, trashy, horrible, disgusting. Like, that's really what that place reminds me of. And there's just like every type of store that you could think of is in there. Like, there's a there's like a music store, there's movies, and they have like you know porno movies then there's like a pet store and there's like a wicker store i i remember and there's a place that sells like really old used instruments for some unknown reason dude it's a lot um huh but yeah i i don't know that mall just kind of reminded me of that because i'm like what don't they have there anyway (laughs) i digress the one quote is he apologizes to her because she's kind of laying into him And she's like, why are you sorry? Is it because you're a pig? Because your friends are pigs? Or because all women are bitches for making you a pig? I think that is probably Haneke, like, trying to figure out. Like, how does he feel about this? Is Does he feel disgusting? Or is she disgusting because he makes him feel disgusting? (sighs) What do you make of that? That's the thing. Like, that's why I'm excited we're talking about this because I couldn't decide because there was all these moments where she's giving, like you said, she's giving him shit and she's saying like, you make, this is how you view women. Like you view them as meat. You view them as sexual conquests. And it's like Haneke is trying to kind of grapple. And you see this in funny games, like with his, like when we release that episode, the way he treats the naked female body. And it's like, he doesn't, he wants to talk about the way women are treated and the way they're viewed. But then he kind of, I almost feel like he punishes her towards the end. Like it feels like punishment because this all culminates in Walter after he reads her note, bursting into her house in the middle of the night, keeping her mother, like barricading his her mother into her room and then raping Erica. That's how I read it. 
And that felt like, you know, obviously Walter's like, I did what you want, but that feels like almost like punishment. It felt like she was getting punished for that desire. Yeah, I agree. I thought that both times were, Yeah, I think I've only seen this twice. So I did think that both times where I was like, this seems like either way that I read it, that he and Walter were both like, she's gross. You know, like she should have never, because I mean, Walter even says like, I, I believe Walter says you should have talked to me about it. Like, you know, because she gave him this letter and didn't really warn him that in the letter she was going to be like, you know, punch me in the stomach and and stuff like that. And that's not something you just spring on someone, really. Hey, punch me. What? (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's like um, really graphic, like what her letter is actually saying. And that's part of why earlier I was saying I don't think she really knows what she's getting into, because I think that in the end, while I do believe Walter is punishing her um, for embarrassing him, which is something I want to talk about, um, I do think that he believes he's playing into her fantasy. And that's where I got, like, I got into, like, you know, BDSM is very much about, like, consent and being very careful with your partner. And, like, neither of them really understand what this is because there's no talk about consent there's no safe words there's no like hey is this cool like bdsm is all about you know obviously it's kink but everyone is in communication about like what is acceptable what is too far or they should be yeah well in a healthy bdsm situation which because some of us well not some of us other people probably that I don't know who they are have been on FetLife and under and seen the guys who disregard the girls' profiles when it says they're in monogamous relationships. And it's like, if you can't even be trusted to not talk to, like, not try to bang someone who it visibly says they are not interested in that, um, how can you be trusted to be a dom? But exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to just come out and say, I don't know if Haneke really understands kink, BDSM. I don't. Oh, absolutely not. No, like, I don't think, I think it was more like, look at this fucked up thing that she's into. When, like, kink is not not that weird. Like, kink isn't that weird. And maybe it's because it's in 2021 and we're just like, kink is just like a thing. But it seems like he he was like, oh, kinky porn. I watched it once or like read a magazine once. So we're going to make it this extreme thing that you should be kind of freaked out by. Like, oh, my God, she wants to be tied up. She wants to be called names. It's like, well, I don't know. That's pretty like, <laughs> it's not that weird. Not at all. And I actually think that it makes it it brought something up for me where I'm like, I think that a lot of doms, no matter what their gender is, I think that a lot of doms who are first getting into kink probably don't understand exactly what's happening. And they maybe do behave like Walter, where, Mm. you know, not to that extent, like not harming anyone necessarily, like on or purposely, but they probably they haven't done their research. They haven't lived it yet. Right. Yeah. So they're they're. I I know of people who have been like, look, this person thought they were doing the right thing and they did it like completely wrong and it like ruined the scene or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. It it just made me think about that where it's like, you know, an inexperienced dom who doesn't know about kink, doesn't really know about BDSM other than, you know, what they've seen in in extreme porn or something like if they've come across it yeah um maybe they don't understand it's not just about oh this person wants to be hurt i'm gonna like degrade them and and punch them and hurt them and you know 
do a like rape fantasy or whatever. You can't that none of those things are things you can just do with somebody. You have to talk about it. And both of them have this inability to talk. I mean, you see it throughout the movie. Like he does not listen to her the entire movie. No. Like all she wants is like whether or not it's healthy, she does not want him to touch her and grab her and hug her and kiss her in public and things like that. And that's all he wants to do. And he does it anyway, because he thinks he's right. Exactly. And then like, so in her letter, she says, if I say stop, don't stop. And then she says stop in the actual assault scene. And so he thinks he's doing the right thing by not stopping. Or he doesn't care. Or he doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, exactly. Like I read it both ways. I was like, either he doesn't right. give a shit or he thinks he's listening, which again, I think is Haneke being like, look, she she told him to do that and he's not stopping because he's listening. But then again, it's like, oh, you guys haven't navigated this like very well. And like the communication about this whole thing has just been very bad. And it is such a weird thing. That is, again, Haneke is like, not going to give you a straight answer about what this was. There's no cut in that like, it was, I mean, I perceive it as 100% a rape scene. Me too. But, you know, maybe some people don't, or maybe he's trying to be like, is it a rape scene? Which I think is fucked up. Like, I agree. Because <laughs> you can, I, you know, there are people who have rape fantasies, whether we like that or not. Um, there are people, and there are people who, you know, want to receive that. Right. Um, and again, that's, it's, it's something that exists. It, it, we can't control it or help it, no, or like it yeah. but it is something that exists. And like, there are people who would consent to it. And I don't think it's right of anybody to watch that scene where she is clearly upset. It's like the first time we ever see her like truly break, like, and all her emotions are at the forefront and we can see that she's upset and does not like it. She's literally begging him to stop. I don't think it's right to be like, well, is it rape? It obviously is. Well, And she just doesn't move. Like she dissociate. I mean, like in, this is fucked up in my experience. Sorry, y'all. Whatever. Trigger warnings abound in these episodes. You dissociate. You lie there. And you're like, mm -hmm. then he says, you got to give me something. And it's like, oh, my God. <sighs> yeah, which kind of almost proves the point that he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's so disturbing it's to so watch. It's so disturbing. And again, like in the context of 2001 art films, there probably wasn't a lot of understanding of this kind of thing. And it was just like, oh, extreme, extreme sexual desire and an older woman. Yeah. I mean, is there is there now? Is there a really firm understanding now? We're not Fair. that far. I guess removed I'm thinking from, from my perspective shades. as like a more like Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, I understand. Like understanding what you're saying. and like yeah, and that's just coming from us, but again, like I think people are more outspoken about it. Yeah, I think there's more of a discussion about like healthy sexual relationships that involve BDSM and in this film it's more like shocking. It's it's Extremely distressing, especially if you have any experience in kink and BDSM yeah. and everything. You know, yeah. it's it's like, this is all wrong. Like, you need to talk. I know you don't want to. I know it can be awkward. But if you can't talk to that person, you have really no business doing a scene with them. Yeah, and also these two people very obviously don't have any experience, like we've talked about. So they just, you know, They're he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. He thinks he's doing the right thing. She did not know what this meant and actually getting, you know, hit and, you know, being and forced. Being to ignored. Being ignored. Like, I don't think she really understood what she was getting into. Me neither. And I think that Haneke would be like, well, then does she deserve it? And I think the obvious answer is no. 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 Of course not. No. And I, something that I really dislike about like quote unquote disturbing movies is that so the, probably the overwhelming majority of them at least involve rape. I, I think that, I think that's a cheap way to, uh, make something disturbing. Um, and I, I really hate 
like I like these kinds of movies. I like this movie, but I really hate that that's what makes the like the heroine or protagonist or whoever like actually learn something because I think that's evident in this movie, right? Yeah, especially like, with the ending, which we will probably get into very shortly. <laughs> yeah, so I have a quote from Erica, um, early, not early on in the movie, but before the attack, right? Mm-hmm. It's at a part where Walter is once again ignoring her. She doesn't want to be touched or hugged or kissed or anything. And she's like, I have no feelings. Get that through your head. And if I ever do, they won't win out over my intelligence. And then by the end where she is being attacked, you can see that she very obviously does have feelings. I hate that that's highlighted by the attack. Yep. But that's like, that's the thing I I feel like with a lot of female characters in these movies that are very rigid, I feel like they learn their lesson through an assault from a male character. Yeah. That feels like a very common thread in these films that is like truly upsetting to me like a woman shouldn't have to learn a lesson through assault and but that is a thing it seems like it's like oh these women didn't really understand what they were asking for until they were yeah but why is it always the women learning the lesson walter doesn't learn shit Mm -mm. walter continues to live his life well not so common in rape revenge films too where it's like the men don't learn anything until they're murdered Exactly. And then it's like, did they even learn? They're just dead now. But that to me is... I love... Well, I am a fan of rape revenge films. Are you, Dax? Do you enjoy... The, like, not enjoy them, but like, do you watch as them? As much or- as you can enjoy something like that, like, yes. Except okay. I'm I'm dreading watching Irreversible again. Uh, me too. I've never seen it because I've been avoiding it. Like I know. Plague. We talked about that before. I was like, please don't watch it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but there's such a distinction in those films because like you kind of especially in like in more recent ones directed by women i feel that there's more of a nuance there and it's like it's a it's not necessarily about teaching a woman a lesson but like about her kind of processing the trauma and in this movie i don't necessarily there is an argument to possibly be made about processing trauma but i don't think here there's much of a a discussion about that (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to bring up a quick note real quick before yeah. we get to the end, because it, it, it's not going to fit in anywhere at this point. But um, <laughs> I wanted to see your reaction to uh, when when Walter is reading her note, or her, uh, it's not even a note, it's like an extensive letter. I was, she has the tiniest, like, most precise handwriting, and it's like multiple pages. I was it's like, like front I, to back. I was yeah, like, Jesus Christ. I want to read it. I, and, and that's my problem. <laughs> I'd be like, can you just summarize it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> can you just like give me a TLDR? And I'm in a, and I'm just like, I would have read it immediately. Yeah, um, I would have wanted to. I was skimmed it. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, punch you in the stomach. Oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> no, but when when he's reading that, she Erica is staring into the camera, and the camera has like a really tight shot of her face, and she's mm-hmm. just staring directly at the camera, which is as close to breaking the fourth wall that this movie gets. And it to me, that was the moment where the movie was like, "I dare you to watch to the end. Like I want yeah. you to try. Like it How feels do you like feel a, about it's that? A ch- it's a challenge. It's challenging yeah. you. It like, did feel like a challenge." Okay, it feels like the climax. And even though, like, the, the sexual assault may feel like the climax here, it's like, oh, this is a reveal. Like, you are finally seeing, like, what she desires. And you get hints of that throughout, especially when she's mutilating herself. But here, it's like, this is exactly what I want. Like, this is who I am. This is my sexual desire. And I would like, and you are the first person that I'm telling that I will, well, I perceived it as the first person that she was telling these things to. And she was, like, finally able to put, like, words to it. And she's challenging people. Like, okay, now you know. Like, what are you going to do about it? Like, what's going to happen next? Like you said, are you going to keep watching and seeing how this culminates or what? Like, this is me. This is what I want. So are you judging me? Yeah, I read it very similarly. But then, and then, but then, like, kind of, like, the in, like, an audience proxy, he starts calling her names. He says the word perverse. But here's the thing. 
is that his gut reaction or is he following along with what she wants? For me, I read it as his gut reaction. And then later on, he plays into it. So I, I did too. But that was a thought I just had, like, while talking about this in the podcast. Like, is that him immediately? Again, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Like, I guess, it, again, like, I think either reading works. But I also did say, like, she is being rejected and ridiculed for what she wants which is like kind of her challenge and a response to her challenge i think like he's the proxy for the audience being like fuck this like this is weird you're a pervert no one's gonna love you kind of gut reaction that maybe a lot of people would have to such a proposal it's so interesting it is very interesting because i would have been like (sighs) okay cool like Let's talk about it. Let's start (laughs) slow. Like, I don't want to punch you in the stomach right away. Yeah, like, that's interesting. I never did that before. Tell me about it. Well, that all culminates in the ending, which is the school recital where, you know, she hurt her student. So she was going to play and fill in. This is where she was going to play. She was going to have Walter turn the pages. And, you know, people are shaking her hand and are very excited to see her play excited to be at the recital like it's all very like oh exciting like except yay. her mom yeah the, the... <laughs> it's a school recital <laughs> yeah she's <laughs> like why it's a school concert i was like damn keep her humble in or front just, of like, erica too yes in front oh my god it was terrible but so everyone goes in it's about to start and we've seen we saw her pack a knife into her her bag and, you know, there's that whole, like, is she going to commit a bloody murder against this guy and get revenge for for what he did to her? But she stops herself. Yeah. She, like, waits and sees him. She sees him. Everyone has left the lobby. And she just stands there and takes the knife and very quickly stabs herself. In the ch- like, right by her shoulder. But it's not, it doesn't necessarily seem like a wound that would kill her you know what i mean it looked high up enough that it yeah. would just i thought it was be- her heart i thought it was her heart too but it looked too high up but maybe i'm just being over i'm over analyzing it but maybe french hearts are higher up than ours <laughs> <laughs> anyway. oh stop it but you know she has this very very like quick stab she stands there the blood starts spreading and then she turns around and walks out. And the end of the movie is just her having walked out and leaving. You know, what's funny is the first time, like when I went to rewatch this, I completely misremembered the end of the movie. I, I totally thought that she killed him and left. Oh really? Yeah. And, and I was surprised when I, when I was watching it this time and I was like, wait a minute, she stabs herself and leaves. Like I totally, was I was waiting for it. Like, what is yeah. that just what I wanted? Did I like rewrite it in my head? Well, and that's the thing. I think that's what Haneke wants you to think. Like, she's going to bring that knife and she's going to get revenge on the guy for misunderstanding and treating her like shit. And I just completely rock- blocked out the ending. I just forgot how it ended. So I didn't. I was like, mm, I don't know. I forgot. But you want her to stab him. You want her to get revenge. But instead, she punishes herself. Oh, and he's so smug in that scene. Yeah. Oh, so excited. And so it's like, excited to see you play. And it's like, <laughs> are you? <laughs> um, but she punishes herself again. Once again. Once again, she punishes herself. But at the same, in the same breath, she leaves. Like she decides to leave. And it feels, you want to feel it as a moment of like agency. But is it a moment of agency? You know what I mean? Like she's she is like, okay, I'm not going to do what's expected of me. I'm not going to play. But is that because she's running away from Walter or running away from this kind of life that she's built for herself? Yeah, I think you could see it both ways. And <laughs> how I want to interpret it and how I'm choosing to is like she's starting over. She's like, fuck this and leaving. Because when you think about like what it means that she left, like she can't play the concert and her mom's not going to know where she went. And Mm -hmm. for the first possible, possibly the first time she genuinely will not know like where she is. 
except for the fact that she lies the whole time about where she is but but like i do i agree with that i see it like especially because right before she does that a woman and a man come up to her and they're like oh we're so excited to see you oh my gosh you're here like it's erica it's this like amazing professor oh my goodness and it's almost like between the expectations of her as a musician and as a professor and what happened with walter she's like i have i just have to break free and it's like i just thought of this and i again who knows it's almost like that stab was like a reality check and punishment at the same time like it's time to just like let go and i like you said i saw it as like she's saying fuck it and leaving and starting over which i guess could be again haneke being like look she got agency or not it's just like his his relationship with women is just yeah because it's like how much agency does she really have like what is the reality of her starting over i like to think that like if she did stab her incredibly like high up french heart and then like leave like to me that means she is like fuck this like i'm not loving this guy anymore i'm not doing love anymore i'm starting over and i'm leaving but it's like you have to imagine what are the implications of that like how how would she leave where is she gonna go? Does she have a car? Does she have her own bank account? Yeah, well, you have like, to imagine. No, it's implied not because the mom's like, "Where's the bank book? Like, where's the checkbook?" Yeah, <laughs> R.I.P. Checkbooks. Um, <laughs> I literally had to think about. I was like, a bank book. I know. I, I don't even remember the last time I had to write a fucking check. Um, but the way she's like the bank book, it's like implied that they share their money. Like she is tied down. Nothing is her own. Yeah. Which is ironic when you consider that she, like, wants to be tied down. But, I mean, like, but you have to think maybe that desire comes from how she's been Yeah, or maybe, maybe her stab in the heart is her rejection of what she thought she wanted. Maybe she doesn't. She realized, oh, I don't like that. I don't want that. You know? Like, I thought that's what I wanted, but that's what I'm used to. And I, I hate it. Yeah. Like, I would rather be free. <sighs> That's how I'm interpreting it. I want That's her how... to like live her life. I'm gonna imagine like I'm I'm writing the end in my head and I'm like, she stashed away money at the porn house. She's gonna go get it and she's gonna run away and she's gonna have a good life. That's how I also want to interpret it. I mean, who knows? But that's how I would like to interpret it. She's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like it's time. That's like the we the weird positive ending that we want that probably is not <laughs> how it happened like it, Haneke probably is like well now she's gonna die I know, like she's gonna go curl up somewhere and die which I hope like whatever like we said we're not we're not gonna perceive it that way but like again this whole thing is like an inversion we're gonna talk about this in funny games of the inversion of the home invasion this is an inversion of like an erotic thriller you know what I mean mm-hmm. like erotic thrillers being these like sexy crazy like titillating movies and here it's like mm, it's erotic but like kind of in a way that makes you feel dirty it's so icy it's so icy there isn't passion it's just very yeah. like it formulaic. starts out icy and then gets like glacial like yeah. <laughs> but that's a good way to think about paste, it but that's no, how it'll exactly. feel like polar yeah. vortex because I wrote this this note like desire in a new way, and I I could I think this could be considered an inversion of that eroticism that is expected in films again. Because Haneke is all about like you like sex, well let's look at sex in a different way, and it's it does feel like playing with the expectations of erotic thrillers and being like ooh, but how about not? So that's so funny because I actually like was thinking about this earlier and I'm like, is this like the first Haneke movie that I've seen where he's not yelling at me? But when you just said that, it, be, it kind of recontextualized it. And I'm like, no, he is. Now he's just mad that I like sex. But it could be. I mean, I perceived I, I'm going to perceive all of Haneke's movies as yelling at me. But this one definitely feels like it's a little less directly yelling and pointing a finger at you but it definitely especially watching it a second time feels like he's trying to be like erotic like this is what another version of eroticism that you are not going to enjoy yeah i i guess it's just more that this this particular movie seems like more accessible to me and more not 
like it seems more cinematic in a way just because it's like you know the classical music and to me the cinematography it literally does look like a painting Mm -hmm. like the the muted colors which you know i guess that's on the nose too because it's all muted and there's a lot of beige like she oh she blends into the background like yeah you know but um yeah I, i i just i guess it's that this movie is more accessible but now i have to imagine that he is actually still yelling at me yeah and like i haven't i mean i've seen the four movies you're talking about i haven't really seen any other ones but this is like the very much like explicitly sexual film that i have seen of his i don't know about the others but you know this one is much more like sex 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 rather than the benny's video and both funny games so so after watching it was the piano teacher the only haneke movie that you saw before we started doing this deep dive yes <laughs> do you think that you're gonna watch any more of them i actually think so i'm really i'm interested in cash especially a lot of like i tweeted oh, i've watched four haneke movies in a week and my spirit is broken and a lot of people were like oh cash is the only one i've seen and i believe cash deals with um the suicide of a family and then white ribbon which is about cruelties in a village after world war one um you know really uplifting shit but i'm yeah. very curious i'm still i'm very curious because like as much as these are nihilistic and hard to watch i'm so fascinated with the different ways he interprets it in different contexts so i think i will watch more of his movies but just maybe in a less of a marathon <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's I guess it sounds like we're being super harsh towards him. But I I don't I don't mean to be. It's just, you know, this is how we're interpreting these things. But I also think it's important, you know, talking about separating art from the artist. um, But I think it's important to like kind of question an artist and like an artist's kind of motivations and how they portray these things and still enjoy their work and still be curious about it. But I think it is crucial to kind of understand who they are and their perspectives because yeah separating art from the artist but i i find that very difficult from my own perspective particularly directors Mm -hmm. that's a discussion for that's a whole other podcast (laughs) episode save that for lars von Trier. um i'm very complex feelings about that man mostly hatred but you know oh i'm very excited about that yeah, I, I'm going to definitely watch more of Haneke's films. I think that it's important to... I, I'm i a big believer in, that you can have what you want us to believe about your art and like how you want us to perceive it, but mm-hmm. I still also have how I'm seeing it and how I'm analyzing it. I'm bringing my own experiences to this piece of art. Yeah. So I think it's important to... Yeah, I guess kind of uh, take everything with a grain of salt and just be like, well, is what you're saying successful? I think if he if his aim was to make us feel bad about liking, you know, violence and sex and movies and stuff, he probably succeeded. But I still like it, though. Like, I still like those things. Like, I'm not going to take back the fact that I like them. But I do think it's important to, you know, just kind of pick apart. Like, I respect, I guess what I'm saying is I respect him and his art. But if I sound harsh, it's just that I'm interpreting it a different way. Yeah. This is, and like, again, this is not a podcast where we say like, oh, fuck these directors. It's more like a very nuanced, complex analysis of their filmography like a very like a small excerpt of their filmography and who they are as filmmakers like you know it's not meant to say fuck them because i don't think we've said that with haneke i think it's just like you know yeah i try to dissect the complex negatively yeah like dissect the complexity of their work particularly as it evolves and like in the form so that's yeah yeah i just kind of wanted to make that distinction because i think that you know listeners could come away from these episodes and be like, oh, well, they really didn't like him. And it's like, it's not that I don't like him. It's that I'm here to analyze what he presented to me. This is how I perceive it. This is how I feel about that. Exactly. It's not necessarily like a judgment of 
my respect or lack of respect for any artist. Especially because we said at the beginning we liked this movie. <laughs> like, it, I love it. it. I love this movie. I love it. So. I think this rewatch has kind of catapulted it to one of my favorite movies. Oh, interesting. It's high up there for me. I wouldn't consider it like a big favorite, but I consider it something I very much love. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say it's my top ten. Yeah. Um, I I'm going to buy it on Criterion. <laughs> I have it on Criterion. <laughs> Hair flip. But yeah, I'm I'm going to buy this one. I might never watch it again, and I don't think I could convince anyone in my like immediate friend circle or relationship circle to watch it with me, but like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I would say buy it, because... Um, the book alone inside is, oh, is that's worth what, it. See, that's what I was excited for to read the book and see like the essay um, about this movie. Have you so. read this book? Like the actual no, book? No, I haven't. Have you? No, I haven't. I was trying to um, find it on audiobook, like uh, so I could listen to it while I was working because I have problems. And uh, I couldn't find a like copy from my library, like one of those apps where you listen from your library. Um, I don't think any of the libraries that I'm signed up with had it. So I'm going to read it afterwards. It's not very long. I want to say it's 252 pages. It's how long? Like 252 pages. Okay, so it's like relatively. It's like substantial, but I don't think that's like super long. No, that feels like a pretty like relatively standard. Yeah. But... So at some point, I'm excited to read it. Apparently, the relationship in the book um, between Erica and her mother is even weirder, which I don't know. There was like some weird incest stuff that we didn't even talk about. I don't even think it was incest. I think she just didn't know what to do with her feelings. She tries to kiss her mom. She tries to make out with her mom. Oh, that's right. I did. I think I just totally blocked that out again. But yeah. For the best. This has been another episode of Watch Once Never Again. Uh, we'll be talking about funny games next episode, so get ready for that. That's another good Hannah Key movie, I will say. Um, love but it. So, love it. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Wona Podcast. That's at W-O-N-A Podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at M-B McAndrews. I'm at Daxy Bobbin. That's at D-A-X-E-B-A-B-E-N. That's my name. That is your name. <laughs> That's how we're going to sign off every podcast. That's my name. That is your name. Um, please make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. We love that shit. So please do it. appreciate it. Especially because we're new. Um, you know, the more subscriptions and ratings we can get, the, you know, the more eyeballs and ears we can get on the podcast. And we would love that because we have so much weird shit planned and we're very excited to share it with you. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, bye. <laughs>